You're listening to the Life Center Church Podcast. The disciples asked Jesus, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear. Blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Jesus came to declare a kingdom. He called it the kingdom of heaven. He called it the kingdom of God, and that's what it is. But Jesus knew that his kingdom wasn't going to look like what we thought it would look like. How do you describe something to someone when you just you don't have any you don't have any basis, right? How does an astronaut describe what it's like to be weightless in orbit? How do you describe what it looks like on the bottom of the ocean to someone who's never been there? Jesus used parables to describe what his kingdom was going to be like. Parables are short little stories. Really, they're pictures. Some of them are really tiny. Some of them are a little bit bigger. And over the next few weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to look at a group of Jesus' parables about his kingdom. These ones are special. They have a lot to do with planting. They have a lot to do with soil, with sowing and reaping. And when we take them all together, we learn some things about what Jesus said his kingdom was going to be like. We also learn some things about Jesus himself. And how appropriate that we do that in the lead up to Resurrection Day, amen? But in this season, we believe that the Lord has something for us as a body. We're going to discover that together. We're going to move boldly forward in Jesus' name. And we're going to do that from the ground up. Not saying that everything has been burned to ashes. That is not true. Amen? What we're saying is that from this ground, he is planting us again, and we're going to grow. And we're not going to look like what we thought we were going to look like. We're going to look like what Jesus planted. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, if you would, please. I'm going to give you a little bit of context. These, these parables, and we're taking them from the book of Mark, by the way, be, in part because 
the book of Mark was written to, really to the Romans, to Gentiles. So they're written in a way that is very uh, broad and open for all of us to understand. So whether you've been around a long time or you just got saved three weeks ago, this is for you. You can understand what we're going to give you today. Jesus made these things to be understandable. That's why he spoke in parables. But we're also using uh, Mark because, in a sense, Mark was the first gospel. A lot of many Bible scholars believe that Mark was the first of the four gospels to be written. And it's good to go all the way to the start. And so for the series, for the most part, we've chosen the book of Mark to do that with. And we want to be consistent, too. Parables are word pictures. I want you to understand something about the people who first heard this. They lived in the land. See, we live on the land. But the, these people were much more in the land than we are. They depended on the land. If food didn't grow, they didn't eat. If it didn't rain, there was no water. So when Jesus talks about soil and plants and sowing and reaping and harvesting, they had an emotional connection to these words that maybe you and I don't have. It's good for us to try and get in their shoes just a little bit so we can understand what Jesus is trying to tell us. See, what it meant to them back then is what it means to us now. They were familiar with these things in a way that we're, we are or not. I also want you to understand that these people were Jewish. So when Jesus is talking about things like trees, it made a connection in their mind because they knew what the scripture said. And that connection goes all the way back to a tree in a garden back in the first chapter of Genesis. And they had a deep emotional connection to that. Plant that in your mind and keep it there for a little bit. Put that on back burner as we go into Mark chapter 4. I want to share the parable of the mustard seeds with you. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 30. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests. They can make their nests in its shade. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we ask for your power this morning. I ask that you would speak where I cannot and that you would touch hearts where I can never do. Lord, have your way this morning. We invite the heart-shaping work of your Holy Spirit in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. A mustard plant is a small plant that under certain conditions can get really, really big. In, in Judea, in the ancient Near East, it was typically something people planted. It was a garden plant. It could grow in the wild. It really wasn't that different from the mustard you and I eat right now. Black mustard, white mustard, yellow flowers. And if you planted fields of it, it would grow all over the place, 
almost like a weed, but if the weather was right, if it was warm enough, and if there was enough rain, mustard could get really big. So when Jesus is talking about something getting big, he's not talking, he's not talking about something they had never seen. He's talking about something that they had, in fact, seen. Uh, I was reading about mustard seed because what do I know about gardens, right? Everything I plant dies. And... <laughs> This mustard seed, when it grows to get that big in the right conditions, people would actually use the wood. It would get woody. It would have a little bark on it, and, you, and they would cut that wood down, and they'd use it for kindling wood. Sometimes they would use it to roof things like garden sheds. It was useful. The point is, is that it starts small, though. You've seen a mustard seed. It's little bitty. But under the right conditions, it can grow into something very big. Because God has a history of doing big things from small beginnings. Okay? He started a nation with a guy named Abraham. You understand Abraham was a nobody, right? He's just some guy that God called. God chose him. And he said, I'm going to make you the father of a nation. Who, who, me? I can't even have kids. I'm too old. That's what God does. He takes small things, and he starts them, and he makes them big. Moses delivered his entire nation, and he was an exiled murderer. He was an 80-year-old failure, and God called him. David, King David, was the youngest son. He was the youngest of eight sons. When, the, when prophet Samuel came to call his his these boys together, they forgot David even existed. Oh, we don't need to see David. He's the small one. Leave him out there with his sheep. God called David to be a king. David brought peace on every side to his nation. They'd been at war for maybe 400 years. It was David who brought the peace because God chose a small boy a small thing to start something big. I want to show you a story very quickly. This is in Zechariah chapter 4. This is the story of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is one of David's descendants. He's in Jesus' family tree. God's people had come back from exile, and they were struggling. They're struggling to rebuild their temple. And Zerubbabel is the governor. He's the guy in charge. And they're not getting it done. But this is what, this is what God had to say in Zechariah chapter 4. Starting at verse 8, by the way. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundations of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. God rejoices in small beginnings. Zerubbabel was another one of those small guys. God called him to do something big. It was bigger then he knew it would be. The temple was smaller than the old one, and that really disappointed people. 
It took a long time, way longer than they thought it should. There was opposition on every side, and Zerubbabel got discouraged. But God starts things, and he always knows how they're going to end. Have we seen this in our lives? Did you plan on being where you are right now? I didn't. I had, when I got saved, I had no plan to be standing here today, amen? Are you kidding? I'm terrified. <laughs> but God gets excited about small things. You, see, you realize God made everything from nothing, all right? Nothing is pretty small. It's as small as it gets. Go ask a physicist sometime. But he speaks, and things start to get big. God says a word, and things start to grow. He always seems to start small. Sometimes we expect God to start big. And every once in a while he does. Don't get me wrong. God can do what God can do. But his pattern is to make things grow because he's a creative God. And he made you to be creative. And he made me to create and think and work through things. Things tend to start small. God's kingdom is like a seed. It's like a mustard seed. It starts small. But when it's sown, when it's planted, you see, a seed doesn't grow until you plant it. You can go to Home Depot today and buy some packs of seeds and put them in your cabinet, and you will never grow anything, right? I have to plant them. The seed he plants is his word. I want you to make sure you understand that over these weeks as we work through these parables, that seed that God plants, first and foremost, is his word. He plants his word in people. He plants his word in people. And then he plants his people where they will grow for him and bring him glory. It starts small. But once it's sown, things start to happen. This is Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus quotes this on his first day in ministry. Gets up in the middle of the synagogue and says this. He says these words. To, give, to console those who mourn in Zion. To give beauty for ashes to give the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is the exchange that Jesus is promising. So that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Do you see it? Do you see the planting? See, first he plants his word in his people, and then he plants his people. 30 years ago, God planted his word in Tim and Julie Busby. And we've been living under their shade for years. Praise the Lord, right? Don't we honor God for that? Don't we thank God for what he's done? Not just for the work that they've done on our behalf, right? But, but what he's done to them. Look at them. 
They're trees of righteousness. They're planted. They're firm. They're alive. They're fruitful. God, help me to be half that fruitful when I'm their age. That's what God wants to do in us. But we have to be planted. That means sometimes that he has to toil, till that soil in us. The rocks and the weeds in there, they've got to go. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we struggle. We don't always get it right. But he is planting and planting and planting. Little small seeds become big things. It starts small, but when it's planted, it grows large. Mark 4.32, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the plants in the garden and puts out large branches. Extraordinarily large things happen when God plants and sows. Jesus came to the world to declare a kingdom that hadn't arrived yet. He was bringing it with him. Amen? And it wasn't going to look like people thought it would. This is what they were waiting for. They were waiting for a king who would conquer. And they were getting a king who was going to conquer. They were looking for a king that would restore their kingdom. And he will do that. But it wasn't going to look like what they thought it would. You see, God could have established his kingdom any way he wanted to. He could have even established it the way we wanted him to. But because of his nature, because of his grace, he's done it the way he's done it. It starts small. What if it hadn't? What if God just showed up? What if Jesus just showed up with 10,000 thousands of his angels and said, I'm in charge now, I'm the king? Would that have been God's grace at work? I don't know. Instead, he wanted to have us plant us, relate to us. He wanted us to know him and love him and put him first. He wanted to grow us and plant us in places. And his kingdom will grow and expand that way. And someday he is coming back, amen? Amen. And when he comes back, people are going to jump, amen? But between now and then, he's growing. He's planting. He's making. His plan is at work. They wanted a king who would conquer, and that's what he was there to do. He was there to conquer, but it wasn't the way that he planned it. See, they didn't understand that Jesus is a seed, the seed that was planted. He used this parable of the mustard seed to explain something about himself Don't despise small beginnings. Look at your history. Look at what God's done. It's going to get big. 
But they, they despised him. He had no form, Isaiah 53 says. No form, no majesty, nothing that would make us want to desire him. They rejected him. We rejected him. Don't despise the small things. And here's this small guy, this carpenter's kid from a backwater town. The kingdom starts small. And Jesus knew. And he was trying to let them know that he was going to have to be planted. He was going to have to die. But he knew that in his resurrection, his kingdom was going to take root. His resurrection was going to explode and grow, and fill the earth. It was the glory of God in that moment, in that moment of victory. They wanted conquering. They wanted victory. They got it. They just didn't, they didn't know what they were looking at. They didn't, they didn't get it the way they wanted it. But Jesus knew it was always the plan. It was always the Father's plan. It was always God's will that his son would be crushed like a mustard seed. It has to be ground so that the goodness can come out. He'd have to be planted like a mustard seed. And it would seem so small. But it wasn't going to end that way. He had to be planted Jesus put it another way. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I, this is Jesus talking, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. So here's another plant image, right? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Ready, you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The seed I've planted in you. You're clean. Abide in me. And I'll abide in you. The branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Amen. We are his planting. We are his planting. He sowed seed into you and to me. Some of us, it was years and years and decades ago. And look how we've grown. And for some of us, it hasn't been that long yet. And we're watching you grow, and it's amazing. It's God being glorified in you, it's wonderful. It's the most precious thing, amen, to watch young believers sprout and to grow. Some grow faster and some grow a little slower, but they grow and they take root and they get strong. It's the best thing. It's, it's got to be my favorite thing. I'm going to invite the musicians to come. 
as, as we consider this parable, Jesus is saying that things start small. This is how his kingdom works. It grows once it's planted. And then it gets larger than anybody ever planned on. There's a purpose for that planting. In the parable, it's so that the birds have a shady place to make their nests. Jesus was planted for you. If you haven't accepted Jesus into your life, if you haven't made him your Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you, I'll tell you what I'm doing right now. I'm planting seed in his name. I'm telling you, in Jesus' name, with all the love and grace and truth that he's given me, that you need him, that you need Jesus. And if this is pulling on your heart today, I don't want to lose this opportunity to give you, to give you that chance to say yes to him. See, we who've been saved for a while, we who've been planted by him, we, we know that there's a special place. The psalmist calls it the shadow of his wings. Jesus says it's the shade under the tree, a place that's not so hot, a place that's sheltered. Another place in the psalms that says he's the rock that's higher than I am. That's what Jesus is to me. If you haven't accepted Jesus, if you haven't made the choice to make him your Lord and your Savior, every head bowed and every eye closed for a second. If you haven't made that choice, I don't want you to leave here without the chance. If you'll raise your hand and just let me know you're here. We just want to pray with you. We want to make sure that you don't leave here without him. Because today is the day your life changes. Amen. Thanks for joining us. For more information on Life Center Church and our ministries, visit lifecenterchurch.com.